a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Welcome back to The Grind, a church planning podcast featuring practical tips, missional strategies, and personal stories to bring you insights and encouragement. Coming to you fresh from Little Rock, here's your hosts, Dave McClung and Neil Scoggins. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Almost broke into welcome, welcome back, back, Connor. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it in the atmosphere. Oh, I there can you go. See it on your face. <laughs> Man, we just dated ourselves <laughs> big time there. Right. I, I just channeled my inner Vinny Barbarino. There, there you go. Uh, listen, Mr. Cartel. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Why, how in the world that came into my head at that moment? Boy, we are starting off with a bang here. Yeah, you're watching some me TV, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So all you older folks listening to the podcast that have some kind of clue about what Welcome Back uh, Cotter Cotter is. Yeah. uh, There there you go. go. Vinny Barbarino. There's a trip down memory lane. And Arnold Horshant. Yeah. Yeah. Arnold. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So welcome back, Dave. Yeah, Neil. Man. So, hey, yeah. you, you know, you, all you guys that thought this podcast would get less silly when Chad left uh, with they, all of his crazy nicknames and stuff for me, it, yeah. it got worse. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. But I'm going to tell you, nothing beats Boo Winkle. Boo Winkle. Boo I'm Winkle. telling you, man. <laughs> right. Boo Winkle and Buddy Chad. And Buddy Chad. Buddy Chad. That's it. So, anyway. All wow. Right. And uh, we're excited to welcome in our buddy, our friend, our pal, Josh McCarty <laughs> from River City Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. Yay. How in the world are you, man? Hey, guys, I'm good. Josh, that was a little less of an enthusiastic greeting than I was expecting. I'm a little bit, yeah, I I don't know what to think. I didn't know what I was entering into when you started to talk about all this welcome to Cotter. He doesn't even know what welcome back Cotter is. It's welcoming the Cotter. Hey, ask your dad. Your dad will know. Yeah. How old are you, Josh? Hey, I'm getting up there. I'm 38. Oh, you're older than I thought you were then. Okay. So you should, well. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know. know. That's that's an early 70s show. It is. It's early early 70s. Mid 70s, something like that. There you go. It's in the archives, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So anyway, well, you know, now you know. And so uh, it's too late to back out now. You, you, you can't leave until we're done. And so uh, we got to fill this time with something. And nobody wants to sit here and listen to Neil and I go back and forth talking about 70s TV shows. There you go. That's so, it. Anyway, Not at all. Yeah. Although it might be a fun episode. We may have to work that in at some point. Hey. Church planting tips from 70s sitcoms. <laughs> you know, I see an article or a book there. Hey, you know okay. what? We could have that concept. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, welcome that's right. back. The assimilation process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So we'll get back on track here. Okay. So old Josh here is uh, an Arkansas guy who uh, fled the state to go to the wonderful, <laughs> beautiful landscape of Colorado and uh, where everybody wants to live because uh, it's mountains it's and hills and riding trails and hiking trails and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, 
uh, left to plant uh, River City Church there in Grand Junction. So, Josh, we're glad to chat with you. Why don't you kind of tell everybody about your church planting journey and what led you to Grand Junction, Colorado, and actually sure. where Grand yeah. Junction is. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to ask that, you know, when I, during this journey. I, I had to ask, where is Grand Junction? <laughs> yeah, it's something you said. Uh, real quick, I wanted to say, I, when I first uh, moved over here, um, I did a little sermon on Jeremiah 29, and during the part where it talks about being exiled, I then had that congregation that I was talking to accuse me of being exiled from Arkansas. <laughs> I think they kind of missed the point. But, yeah, um, yeah, but it, it works. There may be some truth to that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there you go. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so in our journey, um, you know, we were, I was the campus minister at Williams Baptist College. Yeah. And uh, love campus ministry, love college students. Uh, that's been a part of my life for probably 20 years in some shape or form. And so, uh, but we just, we were being drawn back to the local church. Uh, my wife and I were kind of praying through that and seeking counsel. And uh, we just felt like God was leading us back to local church leadership and just leading the church to be the church. And, um, and so we started pouring through the book of Acts, and uh, we were reading a couple of books, which I will mention later, but uh, <laughs> it just kind of got a hold of our hearts. And we had partnered with some church plants in different parts of the nation uh, through campus ministry and things like that. And uh, so that was already a seed that had been planted. And we started kind of looking in that direction and talking to North American Mission Board and just guys that are on the ground, church planting, and... Uh, yeah, so long story short, Colorado kind of became the, the state that kind of fit, you know, just who we are as a family. We love being outside. We, uh, we loved, we've always loved the mountains, um, but we also knew that it was a state that had a great need for gospel-centered churches that are, that are on mission. And so, uh, so I reached out to a couple of guys and thought it was going to be Denver. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of looked at the, obviously, the population there, and uh, the need was great. Um, but different conversations kind of kept leading us further west uh, oh. over the mountains to this place called the Western Slope. Yeah. And uh, uh, Western what? <laughs> and uh, so Grand Junction is on the very western side of the state, still kind of in the, the center, uh, but on the west side. And so I-70 cuts right across, runs into Grand Junction right before you get to Utah. And uh, Grand Junction is kind of the only metropolitan region on this side of the state and it, so it kind of it serves as a geographic hub for this side of the mountain <clears throat> yeah so that's in a long long story short that's how we made it here yeah, yeah. How, how big is grand junction uh grand junction proper is about seventy thousand, but the the collection of cities is about 160 okay wow. okay yeah so very, so it does it have that very frontier kind of feel to it? Uh, yeah, it's got kind of a mashup of, of cultures going on. It definitely historically that's how Grand Junction formed was you know the pioneers moving out here and growing fruit and raising you know cattle and uh, just kind of getting a piece of land and and pulling up their own bootstraps so to speak and making the most of it. Um, but it, it's going through. You know, it's gone through some boom and bust 
type of things with energy and things like that. Mm. And now you've got this collection of millennials and others that have moved out here to start small business, uh, be a part of the medical field that's growing out here. Um, Tourism is really booming out here with mountain biking and climbing and and those things. And so uh, it's probably more diverse than it's ever been. And it's kind of on an upswing right now with population growth and new ideas and things like that. So uh, it's, you know, it's both good and challenging for those that have lived here for a long time. Uh, They're going through some changes that are uh, tough. But um, for us, it's exciting because we have a very eclectic demographic out here as far as that's concerned with different social class and different, uh, um, you know, different spectrums on the uh, the political board and all kinds of things. So it's kind of, with that challenge, it kind of makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How long Now, how long have you been, you've been there for how long? Because you and I connected, man, this was, you were doing uh, Williams when you and I, I used to do CYL. That's why my brain is like it is, but uh, mm-hmm. collegiates. But how long have you been there? It's almost been three years, so it will be, I guess August first would be the three year marker. Yeah. Wow. Does it, does it seem like three? Does it seem like you've been there three years? No, I mean some days, yes. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but most of the time, no. It, it seems like time has just flown, and it's hard to believe. Um, I mean, we really feel like this is home for us, which is really a cool thing. Um, but it's hard to believe that the connections we have out here and, and, you know, in a matter of two and a half to to three years, God's just really blessed us with um, just really helping us integrate into this community. And so, uh, but yeah, it's hard to believe. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it was at least two, possibly approaching three. And uh, um, gosh, that's just crazy to think about. It's been, been that long. Yeah. Didn't even seem like that long at all. Well, cool. So, so you guys zero in on Grand Junction. Didn't know a whole lot about it before you moved. Uh, just since you know, God leading you to Colorado, and so He sends you to Grand Junction and says, "Plant the church." Uh, you know, so so frame that for for our listeners because you know a lot of times you know there's some kind of connection you know before guys move and they have some kind of idea you know what they're walking to. I'm sure you guys did some research and everything, but no relational sure. connections or anything. Best I remember. So, so no, not, not on the ground here. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're dropping in and God says, okay, start the church. What did you do? You know, how, what was your approach? How'd you go about it? What were your first steps? You know, all that paint that picture for, for folks. Well, we, we freaked out. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Curled into the fetal position uh, and cried. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, it's really not how we envisioned. I mean, we actually, um, had planned on, you know, like I said before, Denver was kind of our, our spot, which we had more relational connections around the Denver area. Um, you know, and even some other cities here in, in Colorado, we had some, some people that, you know, we felt like maybe that's who we would be uh, partnering with in the beginning before we launched out, you know, on our own. Uh, but we just really felt when we visited Grand Junction, uh, we just felt like this was the right spot. And so that was scary uh, in, in a lot of ways because we were like, okay, this is going to be more alone than, than what we, you know, as far as a human perspective, more alone than what we ever imagined. And so um, with that said, we 
when we came out here, we thought it was because of that. We thought, you know what, it's going to be more and more important for us to make those relational connections and think of a, uh, in a way of that's more kingdom minded, you know, so those kingdom partnerships and uh, really getting a kind of a understanding of what the faith communities are like out here mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the few that, that are really healthy and growing. And then even those that may be struggling and what are some things that are, are challenges for them. And so we, you know, that wasn't the only focus. We, I, I'll tell you, going back, when Joe and I got out here with the family, we we felt like we needed a good uh, two months to just really kind of settle in as a family and kind of treat it as that family on mission. We're going to get to know Grand Junction, mm-hmm. and we're going to start making connections through, you know, it, it was the summer when we moved, so we didn't have school right at that point. Um but we knew school would be a connection. We knew uh, hobby, uh, possible jobs that, that I, you know, me or my wife might take on. And so um, we started thinking that way of just who could we connect with. And it was lots of prayer and lots of prayer walking. And, um, you know, I, don't, I try not to elevate prayer walking to some type of uh, super holy type of prayer. But I know God uses that visual and just that mm. that act of walking in your neighborhoods and different yeah. spaces, business space and things like that, uh, God uses that to not only connect you with people and see things, but also just change our hearts to kind of think more, you know, what? how can we be with this community and, and really see past maybe even some of the felt needs and, and start really connecting with people in a deeper way. And so prayer walking, is, it, I mean, it continues to be very important for us because uh, we find we miss, we miss things all the time uh, because we're trying to get to point A, you know, point from point A to point B. Yeah. And uh, I think prayer walking just kind of slows down things and helps us kind of have a more open mind, open heart, open eyes. Um, so yeah, that was that was one thing I thought about. Other than that, just practical things. I, I love coffee, and so that was an easy <laughs> connection of where are the best coffee shop. Yeah. And maybe where some close to our home. Uh, starting there and just kind of regularly having, you know, my work time or my, my time of just getting out of the house uh, would be at that coffee shop. So, uh, you know, and I know most, most church planters are okay with that. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's funny how, how coffee right? <laughs> has become a, a, you know, a cultural social thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just fascinating to me and uh, how that's become the new, uh, you know, Buddy Jerome Stockert talks about it, you know, modern day well, uh, mm. you know, those coffee houses. And um, uh, it's just fascinating the connection points you can make there. Yeah, that's hot. If yeah. you like coffee. Yeah. That's right. But, it, but you know what? Even if you don't like coffee, I mean, it's the gathering spot. Mm-hmm. You know, the coffee place is the yeah. gathering spot. Yeah. So when you're prayer walking, you're, you're prayer walking, you're doing with your family and the whole deal. So your mo- what's what's your model for church planning, I understand you're doing missional communities uh, in the yeah, area. Yeah. So you're gonna have to explain to some folks that because it may not necessarily be new, but for people that are brand new to church planting, kind of explain the difference between other type of church planning and the model of using missional communities and how it's working for you where you are. Right, and there are a ton of different nuances even within missional communities. Yeah. But uh, but I think generally speaking. You know, missional community model is going to be, uh, it's going to be a collection of people. And it may, like, like a church plant, it's going to start really small. Mm-hmm. And so most likely it'll start in a house. Um, 
you know, for a church plant. Um, you know, you might find another space. It could be a business space. Um, and I'll, I'll explain more about one of our missional communities that's kind of forming right now. Um, but I think for a missional community, it, it's really just a collection of Christ followers. I mean, there and even some that may not yet believe that that are seeking and kind of on that journey and they're willing to enter into that journey with you. Um, it's really not much different than just the definition of church. I mean, it would just be, you know, when you're looking at the, the ecclesia in the New Testament, um, missional community tends to take on that same definition. Mm-hmm. But practically speaking, as a model, it's probably going to be more of, you know, maybe 12 to possibly 50 people that are um, sharing some type of, of kingdom-based mission. So it might be a neighborhood, you know, and so they feel like they're they're sent to or called to that neighborhood uh, at least starting out and saying, we're going to connect with neighbors. We're going to, you know, seek the welfare of this neighborhood. We're going to bless them. We're going to proclaim Christ, you know, in word and deed. Uh, and so if you've got a group that's willing to do that with you, um, especially if they're in that neighborhood, then it's just an awesome thing to see. And that's kind of what we've done. But what, what we've seen with that is it's, it's very different than a lot of the model of um, when you're, you're starting just launching a service or maybe you're building up to that launch service. Um, it's, for, from our perspective, it's been very different because we didn't really ever talk about launch. We didn't, you know, we didn't mm. really even use that terminology. Yeah. Um, it was more building a small movement and kind of making sure that we kind of shared that vision uh, and thinking about multiplying. And it didn't mean that we weren't going to launch anything in the future. You know, if, if we were going to launch some type of third space gathering or something like that, which we did, um, but we just didn't really focus on that. And uh, I think with that, there were some challenges, um, not necessarily bad challenges, but things move slower. And so uh, you don't have, when you're kind of launching or you're building up to a launch, a lot of times you'll have people that are giving, you know, tithing, you yeah. know, or at least a few. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they uh, so your regular Sunday morning church attenders that might might be something they're familiar with is giving on a Sunday and so we kind of had to work through some of that of like we are not focusing on you know how are we going to have financial sustainability but how are we going to have more of that disciple making sustainability which financial comes into that at some point um, but it's not your your first focus or your number one focus and I'm not saying every uh, every other model is that way by any means I'm just saying that that was kind of what I was taught mm-hmm. um, was to kind of put all your eggs in that launch basket. And if it doesn't work, well, sorry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so that's, that's been our experience. I, I know even with the missional community model, we've had to hold on to that with open hands because what we envisioned didn't actually work, work that way. <laughs> yeah. We kind of envisioned like, missional communities in different pockets of, of different neighborhoods of Grand Junction. Yeah. We've got, we've got some very diverse, you know, even within Grand Junction, pretty diverse neighborhoods. Um, what, what happens, we started getting more of this. Um, we started gathering people that were really interested in helping the youth of our Valley. Um, and so it didn't come from just one neighborhood. And we we're like, you know, I had to kind of second guess things and think, well, this is not really what I, what I thought was going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, which happens, I think pretty much all the time. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we've, we've 
still value the missional community model and we, we use it, but it has really transformed into something kind of a hybrid, if you will. Um, hmm. And I can, I can share more about that too, but it's, it's uh, we still take the DNA of missional community and, and think about how we are a gospel centered community on mission. And we kind of apply that to everywhere, you know, whether, whatever model we're using or whatever thing changes, we still take that DNA and, um, really paint that same picture. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Makes sense to us. Well, you know, you know, one of the things we struggle with in Arkansas is we've got several groups that have kind of started that way. Churches kind of started that way, but even, even among, you know, people who, who have no connection with the church whatsoever, there is a cultural expectation that at some point it's going to start gathering on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes yeah. a real church, you know. And so, right. I, I, you know, I would guess that would be less, you know, in sure. a place like Grand Junction and less of that church memory and cultural expectation. And so is this mm-hmm. something that kind of formed naturally? Did you go in with that intentionality? Uh, you know, what kind of unpack that a little bit for folks here. So I would say some of it just formed naturally. Now we did have kind of an understanding that, that eventually when our most, when our missional communities multiplied, that we wanted some things that would connect, keep them connected. Mm -hmm. So whether that was a large gathering once or twice a month, um, something to that regard, we kind of always had that in our, you know, kind of our underlying mission and just saying, you know what, we want to keep those missional communities uh, strongly connected. And, and from my standpoint, I also wanted to make sure that any leaders of those missional communities were connected in a, in a way that we're being accountable with each other. Um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's Mike Breen who mm-hmm. talked about the, the uh, uh, low control and high accountability. And so basically each missional community or house church, uh, as some will call it, have their own context and they have their own needs. Um, but you have that high accountability where the leaders are sharing the same vision yeah. and just kind of remaining on the same page. Um, and so we had that, but what we really didn't see was Grand Junction, although it's less than Arkansas probably, there's still kind of this this conservative um, history to Grand Junction. And so with that, there there's a kind of the, the church growth movement affected Western Colorado probably more than it did, you know, the, the front range. And so there are, there's a pretty strong um, older church mentality out here. It's mostly with the, the older generation. Yeah. I mean, obviously those are the ones that remember and that really were part of that. Um, but that didn't really drive us to, to change, make too many changes because we still saw that the neighborhood space and the workspace are the best places and hobby. I would add hobby in there too, are some of the best places to connect with the younger generation and, you know, millennials and down and they're still not really drawn to just going to church on a Sunday morning. And although I think there is a place for that, they, that's just not the the meeting point or the connection point with them. Um, And so, yeah. And I think what we realized is kind of more of a hybrid is that you could actually really build in some, regular rhythms on a Sunday morning because it's just for practical reasons um, you know it's still culturally that not very many people work on a Sunday right. or not yeah. as many and um, it's just a good time for our church family to get together and so we we kind of had to swallow some of our pride and say you know what 
this just makes sense for our context. And so we, we started meeting more regularly on Sundays and we went to a, a first and third Sunday gathering. And now we're kind of right in the middle of a transition of, of meeting more often. And so what we're doing, what we're looking at is meeting, you know, the first three Sundays of every month and then taking the fourth Sunday and doing what we call a Shalom Sunday. And that's where we'll just be out in the community together uh, doing some type of service. It might be within our own church family or it may be a neighbor that we met that, um, that just has a need. And so um, Shalom, you know, is that idea of just completeness and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just kind of we've got some people who love serving in that way. And so we thought, you know what, we're going to try to build that into some of our regular practice and routine. Um, but we've always said with all that, we've said freedom within the structure because, yeah. you know, we, we've got this structure and we want to stay flexible because we know as humans how easy it is to just kind of dig in and get in a rut mm-hmm. and, and not be willing to be spirit led. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at at this point is still keeping some of those missional community aspects, but realizing that, that God's kind of leading us in a, in a slightly different direction yeah. without losing some of those neighborhood spaces. So how many of those do you have now and what kind of context are they in? Sure. So we've got three, I would say two are form are still forming. Um, you know, the one in our neighborhood is, is definitely the strongest and, and the one that we have had the longest. Um, just, you know, that's kind of where we started everything. Yeah. Um, but we've got one that we're pretty excited about that's in our neighborhood. Uh, an apartment complex and um, it's got a coffee shop close by it's kind of connected to that apartment complex and uh, <laughs> so we that one it's going to have probably a high population of college students mm-hmm. um, it's got a few young families and so that one's going to take on a different context a little bit different um, focus as far as who we're connecting with and it's really close to the college as well and so that could be um, yeah so we, we've got just kind of a smaller group meeting at this point. And now that it's warm weather, uh, we're planning some cookouts. And, you know, I'll probably definitely help get it started. But my goal is to kind of step back and just kind of let them do their thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's forming. We've also got one that's a little further away that uh, eventually could be, you know, its own church plant. And so uh, that's probably about an hour away in Montrose. And that started around fly fishing. So that's a little different. It's not yeah. a neighborhood. Um, it's more of a shared hobby, um, hmm. kind of a shared workspace. And so there's a fly shop in Montrose. And uh, we actually had a couple that moved out here, lived with us for a year in Grand Junction. And then um, God just kept pulling them towards Montrose. And so we were, uh, it was really neat to be a part of that and just kind of bless them, send them and still support them. And so they're, they're considered under river city church at this point. Um, but eventually that the fly shop owner and this couple, you know, they're looking at the possibilities of, um, you know, starting a church, you know, from the disciples made and, and just the connections through the fly shop. So, That's kind of yeah. cool. What, was that your goal when you first started, uh, when you guys first went out and planted, did you have that in mind? Cause you, you started talking about, that couple that was there in Grand Junction went to Montrose. Did you want to plant pregnant? Uh, people say all the time that's the has nothing to do with biology, but multiplication. <laughs> but uh, did, was that the intention that hey, you know, regardless of the model that we use, we want to make sure that we continue to to multiply? Did you have that on your mind when you first went, or did it just happen? 
We did have it on our mind. Uh, I would almost venture to say, it. I mean, God can work in spite of us, but I don't know how often it just happens um, mm. if you're not intentional. And so that's good. It, it was hard. I want to say it was hard for that couple. I mean, we wanted to keep them here for yeah. five years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Longer. I mean, but we, it was kind of one of those things you really want to put your, the money where your mouth is. And so, um, we, we just decided, you know what, this is exactly what we've been talking about. This is yeah. what, you know, this is God bringing an opportunity that we've been talking and praying about. And so to send them, you know, even an hour away where we kind of, we kind of lose that everyday yeah. connection yeah. with them. <laughs> um, man, that was tough. And I remember <laughs> reading that JD Greer, yep. uh, who talked about, yeah. you know, sending your best out, you know, and of course the, I think he talked about the sending capacity and not the feeding capacity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, I remember him saying, you know, that that's, that's going to be your, uh, kind of moving you past that line of really being all in to being a multiplying church is being willing to send your best, um, and, and really doing that in a rejoicing way. It doesn't mean that you don't mourn a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, yeah. So I, I would say we, we do talk about that quite a bit as a church. And even though we're small, you know, we're not, not that large of a church. We wanted to really build that into our DNA as a, as a church plant. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, what, what you're doing is, is changing the expectations of, of your, your members, of your folks that, Hey, we're not going to just talk about this as painful as it is. And as much as we'll miss them, this is what God has sent us to do. Yeah. And uh, so you're setting that cultural expectation, that DNA in your church that, that uh, will serve you for, for years to come and, uh, and continue to see the church expand, you know, from beyond, beyond Grand Junction. That's right. Yeah, and I, I was a little skeptical when I read some things like God will provide, you know, when they, you send your best out. You yeah. know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I know. We know God's <laughs> He already did. I don't want to give it away. Ah, oh, they had to say <laughs> that to sell the book. Yeah. That's you know. right. But it, it's amazing how he does, and it's usually not in the way you expect. And right. I think that's probably the hard part is you're like, well, I expected it to be provided in this way. Um, but he'll bring on, you know, other gifts, other families, or just other people that step up that didn't before. And so it's, we've seen that. Yeah. So that's been really cool. Just happened. You're talking about J.D. Greer, man. I remember Archie Mason talking about it. He was trying to talk people out of it. They're like, yeah. okay, um, these people want to go where? And you're yeah. going to leave us? And he's, you know, he's counting that budget piece yeah. of those yeah. folks walking out the door. But like you said, man, if, you know, that's when the rubber hits the road. Either, you know, <coughs> either you uh, use that, we're going to trust God as a phrase or your lifeline. And yeah, and yeah you got to trust God for real when that happens. Yeah, and, and you know, we've seen that at Summit as well, you know, where I'm a member, you know, planted, uh, well, several churches now, but, uh, you know, t- kind of two campuses, one where they sent 115, another one where they sent 140, 150. And the second one was about three-fourths of the children's ministry leadership. Oh, wow. and, uh, and, and I mean, just now, that's been, you know, a couple of years now, and just now kind of getting that replenished. Uh, but in every case, there have been leaders step up that were not serving before that now are, are serving and leading you know, in a way that they, for whatever reason, whether they didn't feel like they had the opportunity or just weren't ready, 
uh, God ha- does have a way of uh, replenishing those folks. Well, and we're we're actually I talked about a little bit about our transition, and, and we're using a, a building space that uh, is actually a shared space. Um, but in that, so we have kind of have more of a rhythm of meeting on Sunday mornings with our our church family, kind of those that are we would consider our family members. Um, but we've also kind of reset some of our missional community. So we are actually kind of thinking more. And what I mean by that is we've got some leaders that are now ready to, to look at missional communities in their own neighborhood. Hmm. And so that's, that's, cool. that's been a little hard too, yeah. because it's like, we're going to be losing them in our neighborhood. Um, but <coughs> uh, we're really excited because they're giving us stories already of like, I've connected with my neighbor over this or over that. Yeah. And, you know, there's stories of like, Hey, I was able to share a little bit about Jesus, you know, in a way that was not totally awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, but it, we're starting to see some movement there. And I think God's really blessing, um, some of our, our persistence, I guess, if you will. But I think, um, yeah, so that we're kind of, and even my wife and I are looking at what does that mean for our neighborhood space? Because we've connected with a few neighbors, but this may give us an opportunity to connect with a few more, um, and kind of focus a little more on some some other connections that we have in that space, but yeah, um, doesn't mean everybody's leaving us in that. Right. But we are having some, some uh, multiplying going on there too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, what what are some kind of God stories that have happened since you've been out there? You know, some of the things that the Lord has done that, you know, just just sure. those cool moments. I would say my number one story. We're we're kind of still in the middle of it. Um, and so it's been a longer uh, story, which is I think tells our story pretty pretty well because there's a, a girl named Ashley. She was a single mom that had moved to Grand Junction. She had family here, and I think had lived here as a as a young young girl, but had moved to the East Coast. And um, but anyway, it, she had moved here and um, had just really been kind of without community. Um, was not a follower of Christ. And, um, and I can't, honestly, it's hard to even remember how we got connected to her. I mean, it was kind of like so-and-so knew so-and-so. And then they, you know, said, Hey, Ashley, come on to the house. Yeah. And join us for this, this church that gathers in the house. And so, um, so she came and, uh, I do remember the very first night and she was very, uh, very honest about where she was in her faith. And, um, but even at the end of that night, she said, you know, I just, I really like you guys. <laughs> in other words, we didn't just say, you yeah. know, oh, you're not a believer. What are you doing here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she just, she really meshed well. And God just kind of, you could tell God was doing something even in that moment. Um, but over time, um, Ashley had just continually asked questions. Um, we've had times where we, you know, we know that she's not, you know, fully a believer. And so we've, we have discussion time sometimes where we ask pretty generic questions. Um, you know, and one night we were asking, have you, where have you seen the fingerprint of God in your life? And, you know, acknowledging that some of you may not even know it's God or may not acknowledge that that's God, but what, where have you seen those, those touches and those things that, that may be, you know, that higher power intervening. And so um, she surprised us all and had shared, you know, you know, she kind of hesitated and said, I think God has, you know, and she stumbled over some words and she said, I think he has me here with this group for a reason. Mm, yeah. And 
Um, and so we've continually shared, you know, about the gospel and, and just really uh, kind of walked her along. So it's, it's been neat because it's probably been a year and a half. We've just seen her progress in her belief. And uh, it's been one of those things that, that she's kind of making connections now. And she actually, like, I, I think she's a follower of Jesus. Uh, we're still talking to her about, um, you know, are you basically, are you all in? Is this, you know, are you, yeah. is this your life? You know, and um, so I, I have a feeling that pretty soon I'm going to be able to share, you know, this is a baptism and a celebration yeah. of we, you know, being transformed. And so I think that seeing how God has used community to, to disciple her, um, because she hasn't just met with my wife and I, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been us, it's been another family. It's, you know, they have her over for dinner. Um, it's been her going to serve with us different places. And, um, and she's got a daughter who, uh, has just really hung out with our kids quite a bit and just done some things there. Um, and so I think just seeing God slowly draw her, so draw that, that life to himself and, and using us to just share that gospel and, and be there alongside her has been really cool. And we've had some other drastic transformations, but I think that's the first time I've really been able to see that type of progression in someone's faith. And, um, at least for that, that regard. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's one of my favorite stories. And the only other one that I would share was, um, this was actually really challenging for me. Um, I started meeting with a college student um, shortly after we moved here. And it was a connection that someone else had given me said, hey, this student just moved there. They're going to Colorado Mason University. Um, you should connect with them. Of course, as a church planner, you're always like, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Do they like coffee? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Right. Are they breathing? Hey, yes. there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, I did, and I know it can be awkward for, especially the receiving end, you know, when you're reaching out to them and they have no clue who you are. Um, but he was he was brave enough to uh, come to that first meeting. And, um, well, you know, long story short on him is that he did uh, he did choose to follow Christ and, and was baptized in the river out here. Uh, but one thing that he really reminded me uh, was after after he came to know christ when he joined river city um he just told me one day he was like i i always heard people talk about discipleship or making disciples or whatever he's like i had you know he grew up in the church he was one that actually had grown up in the church and he said i I just never really understood what that was what that looked like you know or what that could look like or even why it mattered and so he was able to share with our church family that he, you know, he, he now knows what it might look like to disciple someone else and, and to be discipled in God's word and, and just life on mission. And, and so we, uh, I think for me, I took that for granted and I was like, yeah. ah, you know, it's, yeah. it's so-and-so, you know, he, he came to Christ, he's with us, but I didn't realize how deeply that had affected him and, and how God had just used that. And so now he's looking for opportunities. Uh, and he wants to start meeting with my kids, which you don't know how cool that is, too. Yeah. Um, so I've got a 10-year-old who just loves college students and especially loves him, um, just how cool he is. And so uh, here's this college student that now wants to disciple my biological kids. So yeah. <laughs> that's wow. that's cool. Yeah. Cool. That's neat. I'm sure that's special for you because doing college. So how long did you do college ministry? You did that for a while, didn't you? I did. I mean, I technically started when I moved back to Arkadelphia, Arkansas, 
uh, I think that was 2004. Wow. Yeah, so 2004, I was doing recreational sports and meeting college students for Bible study and things like that in the dorm. So, yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's where it all started. Man. So what advice would you give somebody somebody wants to plant a church, somebody they're just struggling with it, or, you know, because you've done a couple of things. What would you I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, Josh. I don't know what's next. You know, what what do I do other than pray? We already know that because it seems like that's the theme. Everybody we've talked to, they you know, you talk about prayer walking. Somebody else talks about just praying. I think uh, it was either Wayne. Parker talked about, yeah, praying and fasting. Yeah, praying and fasting. What's the, you know, coming out the box, what's that first thing that you know you got to do? And then subsequent things after that, uh, they're just trying to figure it out, kind of struggling with it. What advice would you give them? Um, I would say for me, the thing that really impacted me was the the realization that my identity is not (laughs) in planning a church. And you may have heard this before, but it is, I think that is such a good reminder. Like over and over, your identity as a child of God has got to be where you start and where you continue and where you end. (laughs) Um, I think that's because I think it's too easy to get wrapped up into the things you do, um, you know, or even the things that don't work out, you know, or maybe, maybe the church plant is, uh, you know, it, it fails for whatever reason. And if you're not, if you're not centered on, okay, you know what? I am still loved, valued as a child of God. And that's where my identity rests. And that's where it is. And I would, I would say that's the number one thing. And so just spending time with him, obviously, like solitude and just time that you can get in and just not just study for your next sermon, although that's great too, um, but to really dig in in a way that's more devotional. And I know in my, my seminary days, um, in my early, you know, even college days with biblical studies at Washita, um, had great professors. And they, they would often tell us this, that what's the point of, you know, of learning all this if you're not going to be a practitioner of it. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the trap that you can fall into with any kind of um, seminary type uh, work is that you, you become so in the habit of of doing your biblical background, your study, you know, you're, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're treating the text well. And all of that is very important. But in, in spite of that, or in, in the midst of that, you lose the, just the devotional aspect of scripture. And so, um, in other words, you're just kind of soaking, soaking it up and really listening to the Lord as you read. Uh, and so I know for me, I had to kind of retrain myself or let, allow God to retrain me and just say, you know what, this is time with me. Um, it's not for the purpose of imparting knowledge to anyone else. Uh, this is just God transforming Josh and continuing to transform my heart as a child of God. And so I think whatever that looks like, you know, I mean, it could be a number of things that, that help you in that, uh, of just centering on that and focusing on that growth uh, with God. And so... And it's not all, it's not an individualistic thing either. I'm not saying it's just you and God, you know, you and yeah. uh, you're not his buddy and yeah. no one else. <laughs> but, um, but you know that you're going to be better in community if you spent that solitude with him. And so it's for the, it's actually for the purpose of community. And so you then gather with others and, and really experience that. There, there's a Henry Nowen wrote an article. Uh, it's like from 
from solitude to community to, to ministry. And uh, I think he, he says it much better than I could, but it's one of those uh, kind of regular rhythms that you're always spending time with the Father, um, but it's, it's also for the purpose of being with community, and it's for that community to serve others together and share the share the gospel together. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I think that would be my main focus. Um, the only other thing I would say is, uh, you know, even I, I know this is a church planning podcast, uh, but I would say your ultimate goal is not just to plant a church. Right. Um, That's good. You know, you're you're glorifying God through making disciples. And so good. the byproduct of that may be a church. Yeah. Church will gather <laughs> if you it make disciples. Will That's be a it. Church. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's one of Mike Breen's, you know, yep. big statements. Yep. And, uh, yep. you know, if you, if you make disciples, the church will always gather. If you plant a church, you may not ever get around to making disciples. <laughs> and, right. uh, and so, uh, and, and we just assume that so much. He's dead right. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, J.D. Payne, you know, talks about this a lot, you know, that uh, church planting, you know, is, is making disciples in a way that the church will then gather. It's not gathering a bunch of people, you know, to yep. you know to have a service. Yeah. And, uh, and so have it's called heard, service planting. Yeah. Have you ever heard Vance? Uh, it was Vance Pittman. I think he talked about about it pretty well too. But he talked about how we often flip it around. You know, we don't really use the model of Paul or you know the New Testament church where yep. we kind of use this model of planting a church, then you make disciples. And then you engage the city, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Well, when you look at, at uh, just the Paul opposite, just the, yeah, yeah, it's the opposite of that. You're engaging the city, you're making disciples, and then then you get the church. That's right. So, but anyway, yeah, oh yeah, and that's and that's what we want. Um, and seeing that that become the norm more more and more. Uh, you know, several church planters that are you know working a year or so before they ever have you know a public you know, worship gathering because they're engaging the city and making disciples and, and uh, establishing a footprint you yeah. know, there before, before they ever start public worship. And uh, it's so, so important, man. So important not to get the, the cart before the horse. Yeah. And, right. And uh, yeah. And we need guys that'll be great reminders of that, you know, for our planters. So awesome. Well, dude, man, this is good. And I'm uh, <laughs> glad you're doing well. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know much about Grand Junction before you got there, but now it's become home, and and now right. you're a part of the Western Slope. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that was a I thing didn't know out either, there. Yeah. And best uh, slope. Do what now? I said West Slope, Best Slope. <laughs> West Slope, Best Slope. Spoken, <laughs> spoken like a resident. Spoken yeah, like a Grand Junctioner. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, or Grand Junction here. I don't know which one. So, man, before we, before we get you out of here, uh, we got to do a rapid fire and, right. uh, you know, these soul-burning questions. So uh, so let's see what you got here. you got to bring your A right. game for these questions. So okay. top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? Uh, Bonhoeffer by Metaxas. 
and uh, Shaping of Things to Come by Alan Oh, oh, you there see, you Dave is going to cry now. When you said that, it's, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> you, you got him right yeah, there, buddy. You touched my heart deeply with that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, okay, what's your biggest strength and your bigness, biggest weaknesses in bigness, church? Weakness. Bigness. <laughs> yeah, I'm church plant drunk right now. <laughs> What's your biggest strength uh, and your biggest weakness? So strength would be connecting with just different types of people. I think that's one of those things that God has given me. And, and with that, maybe seeing the, the bigger vision um, that allows me to connect with people. Uh, weakness, delegating. Man, I got to get <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I see, I see gifts and I just need to jump on it. But... Um, yeah, and I think also with that, it's uh, maybe confrontation. Not always a negative confrontation, but just being willing to, um, you know, speak truth when it's hard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I think that, yeah. Yeah. Favorite hobby or pastime? And has uh, that changed biking. since you've been in Colorado? Yeah. Uh, mountain biking has not changed. So it started when I was a college student, and, uh, yeah, I still – love to do it out here and it's, it's way scarier out here but <laughs> i can uh, imagine I still do it. yeah yeah it's a yeah. deeper fall out there than it is anywhere else yeah. i guess yeah. Yeah. okay uh favorite movie last of the mohicans wow Ooh. hey that's okay. a new one we had anybody yeah. say that nobody's one. ever said that yeah. josh i know it yeah it's nobody's favorite movie yeah. josh. <laughs> other than your horse <laughs> Yeah, it's 99 cents in Walmart right now. Yeah, we had uh, three amigos in the last podcast. So, so we've gone from three amigos to, to last, last of the Mohicans. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Man, that's awesome. Daniel that's Day-Lewis, man. There you go. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. All right, favorite band or musician? Oh, that's a tough one. I, uh, man, I, I change music so often that I would say the longest, running maybe the ones that influence would be like youtube johnny cash for me it would probably be the ones i kind of put back in the, the rotation yeah um, johnny cash. maybe the kind of and i'm talking older youtube stuff so yeah um but yeah that's maybe kind of gets me back in the right frame of mind <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no, i love music and so i kind of have pretty eclectic uh palette when it comes to music yeah you yeah. you know he he's eclectic because he says palette right yes. <laughs> <laughs> in reference to music in reference to music yeah, there you, yeah. There so, you go. so if you can employ that vocabulary we're <laughs> yeah. talking about music i'm gonna gotta be a palette <laughs> you go <laughs> You know, Josh, we, you know, and let me just say this. I I connected with you, man, I don't know what it was. I was just so impressed with you. Josh didn't say a lot of words. He was very quiet. <laughs> he was very observant. Uh, we had a chance one time to sit in the hallway. I think that was you and I, sit in the hallway and ate Chick-fil-A together. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, man, from that point, I've always just been impressed with you. Uh, and on the parking lot of Summit Church, in uh, in North Little Rock is when I found out he was leaving, going to Grand Junction. I will never forget it. Yeah. That day I drove off and I was like, man, what am I going to do? We didn't talk a lot, but you really impressed me, man. So, I, you know, I've been praying for you a lot 
And uh, just so glad to see you doing so well and uh, seeing how things are going. We'll continue to pray for you, man. That's just, uh, you're just an awesome guy to me. Man, that means a lot. I appreciate that, Neil. Neil still cries every night. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I don't watch any movies that are filmed in the West. That's right. (laughs) Thanks, Josh, for crushing his soul. Now I have to pick up the pieces. There you go. I had to invite him to be a part of this podcast so he'd you know be okay. <laughs> That's right. Can I can I work on a soundtrack for you, Neil? I mean, maybe one that's got my picture in the background. There you go. Have an eclectic palette of an eclectic music. palette of music. Hey, yeah. there you go. As long as it's got Randy Travis and some uh, you, Johnny Cash, it'll be his mixtape. It's my mixtape, baby. I'm that's just right. telling you. <laughs> I'm just for those of you youngsters out there that don't know what a mixtape is. <laughs> Right. A, Don't know what a tape it's, is. It's Spotify before there was Spotify. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And you That's had to right. sit by your radio and hit record when your favorite songs That's came right. on. That's right. <laughs> and I had a whole cassette tape full of commercials yeah. Yeah. <laughs> waiting on my song to I'm come on. Back in the Welcome Back Cotter days. That's, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Went the days when you had to get up and turn the channel. That's, That's right. That's right. <laughs> You were the remote uh, in that's the house right. for your dad. That's right. Yeah. Hey, boy, come here. Turn the channel eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, we started with Cotter and we're ending yeah, with I'm Cotter. Telling you, hey, <laughs> hey, folks, this is what you pay for that's with, right. with, with that's the grind. Right. And, uh, and we want to make sure you get the best bang for your buck. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we'll give you 75 cent change back. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, we may have to start paying people back more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway. Oh, man. oh man! Well, dude, man, great to chat with you, and uh, glad you're doing well. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to see you back in Arkansas here before too long. Yeah. Or come to Grand Junction and do some trail riding. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, buddy, we're out, and so have an awesome day, and we'll talk at you later. All right, sounds good, guys. Thank you. That's all for this episode of The Grind. Make sure to sign up for The Grind email newsletter for all the latest news, articles, and book recommendations by going to absc.org slash thegrindnewsletter. If you like what you hear, rate and review us, and make sure to share this episode with your friends. Until next time, keep grinding.